right. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're at work in our world. And thank you that we get to know you and to serve you and be about what you're doing. God, tonight I have nothing to say that these people need to hear. These people need to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that it's your word that speaks and your voice that speaks into hearts and minds and lives. Lord, I pray that you will remove me, you get me out of the way, and that we'll hear from you. And we pray all these things like we believe Jesus Christ will. Amen. You know, if you, uh, you meet someone you don't know in Europe, the first question they'll usually ask you is, where are you from? What nationality are you? Where, where did you uh, come from? If you meet somebody for the first time in Asia, they'll ask you, who was your family? Like, who were you a descendant of? But most of the time, what do we ask people when we meet them for the first time in America? Where do you work? What do you do for a living? And it's interesting the different cultures and how they find identity, right? If you talk to people in Europe, they base your sense of identity on nationality, on geography, where you came from. If you talk to people in Asia, they base their, your identity on who your family was, what your genealogy was. But so many times here in America, we base our identity on what your career is, what you do for a living. And as we start a new series on purpose, on life purpose, on why are we on this planet, why do we exist, one of the things we have to talk about right away is that your purpose, your God-given purpose for existing is bigger than your career. It's bigger than your occupation. It's bigger than what you do to get money or to earn a living. A few years ago, I was in India, and I had an opportunity to uh, meet some really awesome people. And I was talking to this one group of people, uh, these Indians that, for a living, what they did was they broke rocks. You know gravel? They literally made gravel all day. They had these big rocks, and they would chip away at it to make gravel to put down on the mud and dirt roads in India so they wouldn't wash away during monsoon season. That was their job. That's what they did for a living. And it was backbreaking, and it was hot, and it was exhausting. And uh, I was able to talk to many of them. Many of them were believers, and some of them even wanted to be pastors and to start churches and things. They had no... They had no confusion about the fact that breaking rocks was not their purpose, right? But sometimes in America, we get that confused. In fact, sometimes in America, we think that if we make a lot of money or we achieve great success or we become famous and lots of people know our name and we reach a high level of affluence or prominence, we think, well, that must be my purpose, right? The American dream is not your God-given purpose. The most important thing you can do in your life is not to make a lot of money, not to get rich and famous, not to have a lot of degrees after your name. The most important thing you can do, the thing that's really going to matter when you're at the end of your life and you're laying on your deathbed, is not how much money you've made or how famous you've become, but whether or not you've accomplished the thing that God put you on this planet to do. Because you see, you can become famous... Lots of people can know your name, and you can have lots of money, and you can have achieved all these great things. But if you didn't do the thing that God put you here to do, then you've wasted your life. And so tonight, we're going to start a series on how to know what God's purpose for your life is, so that you can know what it is, so that you can accomplish it, so that you can do what you were meant to do on this planet. Now, one of the things we have to talk about is there's all this confusion in the church and I'm going to differentiate between God's will and the unique purpose and plan he has for your life. 
you hear this term all the time, uh, God's will. And um, it's thrown around a lot of times in church and in Christian circles. And how I'm going to differentiate the two is God's will is what God wants for every person on this planet. And God's purpose is what he specifically designed for you to do. So God's purpose for Darby might look different than mine, but God's will for both of our lives is the same. For instance, in 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, Our God and Savior wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it says, Be thankful in everything. This is God's will in Christ Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.15, it says, This is the will of God, that by doing good, you silence foolish and ignorant people. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, This is the will of God for your own good, that you avoid sexual immorality. So these are things that God wants for everybody. They're not specific just to some people. They apply to everybody. There's a God's will that applies to us all. He wants all of us to know him. He wants all of us to be thankful. He wants all of us to do good. But there's some things that are specifically unique to you. That God has put uniqueness into your personality and into your background and into your history and into your desires. He's uniquely crafted you to do some certain things before you leave this planet. And we have to be careful because sometimes when we talk about God's purpose for our lives, we like to talk about it as it's something far off. Like after I get out of college, once I find a spouse, once I pay off these bills, once I get this degree, once these things happen, then I can work on this purpose. Um, it's easy to think about something that's far off. I'm starting this church here, right? But sometimes I talk to people who haven't started yet, and they like the idea as long as it's a far off dream. I've seen people come to Philadelphia with the SEND Network. The SEND Network are helping us start this church, and they stay for a couple months because they thought the idea of church planning was really cool when it was something far off. But when they get here and start doing it, they're like, it's slow. It's hard. It's, you know, this takes a lot of sacrifice. And they decide, oh, I'm not going to do it. But God's purpose is not something for the future. God's purpose is something to obey in the present. And delayed obedience to God's purpose for your life is actually disobedience. Your purpose is right now. It's something you can get started in right now that you don't have to wait until you reach a certain point in your life. If you're an adult, God has a plan and a purpose for you. He has something he wants you to be about and doing right now in the present time. Now, it's so funny, when I was in Bible college, we had this day where they would cancel classes and we would go out into the streets of Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's where my Bible college was, and we would talk to people about Jesus. We would just have these conversations with people about Jesus on the streets. And I remember there were these, there were these two students, and they were making this big fuss about it. They didn't want to do it. They, they didn't want to go out, and they were complaining, and they were saying all this stuff. What was really funny is their major was missions. They were missions majors. They're, they were literally getting a degree and going to other countries and talking to people about Jesus. But they didn't want to do it. And I remember one of our professors said, if you don't do it now, you're going to find an excuse to not do it later. And I think a lot of times with our purpose, we're like, okay, God wants me to do something, but as long as it's later, I can look at it, I can think about it, but it doesn't have to affect me right now. As long as it's something far off, I can kind of think about it and consider whether or not I want to do it, and it might be a cool dream when I'm sitting around and I'm thinking about doing something else, but it doesn't have to affect me right now. But our purpose does have to affect us right now. If this is something from God, if this is the reason that he's put us here, we have to talk about it right now. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four key 
questions that help you hone in on what God wants you to do while you exist in this world. And there's four questions, and they're really around these ideas of what your burden is, what your strength is, who you have relationships with, and what your weaknesses are. And we're going to look at all these over the next four weeks, and each of these gives you a picture of what God wants you to do and why he's put you here on this planet. Now, sometimes when we think about God's will or God's purpose for our lives, I think we talk about it as if it's this great mystery, as if God's like, I want you to do this before you die, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Good luck. You know, that's a lot of times how we talk about God in church. Like, God wants you to accomplish his purpose, but he's not going to tell you what it is. Good luck. I hope you find out. And you're like all stressed out and you're frustrated and you're like, God's like a puppeteer and he's like, ha ha ha, I'm not going to tell you what your purpose is. That's not the God of the Bible at all. In fact, I think God has probably already revealed to you, and you might not just have realized it, what you should be about and what you should be doing in the world. And I think these four key areas help you hone in on where God wants to be using you and what God wants to do through you. Now, as we talk about God's purpose for your life, we have to caution ourselves because our tendency is, when we talk about our purpose, to make it about us. And you say, well, Alex, we're talking about our purpose. Shouldn't we be the center of that? But what the Bible actually teaches is the center of our purpose is not ourselves. The center of our purpose is God's glory and other people's good. God's purpose for our lives always centers around other people's good and his glory, not about our own self-satisfaction or gratification. In fact, you'll find in your life that you're most self-satisfied, you're most content, you're most uh, fulfilled when you're serving other people, when you're about something bigger than yourself, when you're not in the spotlight, but you put God and other people in the spotlight. Okay, we're almost to our passage. This is all introduction to this idea of God's purpose. So hang with me. But we have to talk about something really important here because I've heard this so many times in churches and I think it's wrong. And I think that many times, for many years, it led to me being really confused about a lot of things and really uh, distracted and frustrated. And that's his question. Is God's purpose for my life like a Lego instruction guide? Anybody ever put together Lego kits? The guys. Okay, a few guys. Um, I love Lego instruction kits, but you open it up and it literally tells you where to put every block one at a time. And if you skip a page, you're off. It's not going to look like Boba Fett's Slave One vehicle at the end if you don't do every piece. I put together Boba Fett's Slave One vehicle. I know. No surprise. I'm a nerd. But um, if you skip a page, you've just messed up the whole thing. It's not going to come together at the end. You have to go step by step along the way. And that's usually how we present God's purpose for our life. Like, you have to go step by step. And if you miss a step, you're off. You're out of the will of God. You're in trouble now. There's no going back. Or if you're going to go back, you're going to have to go way back and try to get back on. They, they present God's purpose for us as if it's an Ikea instruction booklet. How many put together Ikea furniture? A few more people. Ikea furniture is horrible because if you skip a page or you're like me, you just look at the picture and go, I can put that together. It never comes together right. It's like lopsided. It's fallen over. Sometimes if I skip a page, and I, I do that a lot when I'm putting together Ikea furniture, Darby now supervises me. Um, what happens is sometimes I even damage it and it can't be undone. I have to go and get a new piece from Ikea because I put it together wrong. And sometimes we talk about God's purpose like that. Like I messed it up. I was an idiot one day and I made a mistake and now there's no going back. I've missed God's purpose because I made this one mistake, because I skipped a page, because I jumped ahead. 
I don't think that's the biblical picture of God's purpose for our life at all. Where's the grace in that? Where's the free will in that if you constantly have to worry about, oh man, did I just make the wrong decision? I had a couple in a church I was at in Tennessee, and they told me, we're so terrified to get out of God's purpose for ourselves that when we wake up in the morning, we pray about who should make the coffee. Because what if God wanted the other spouse to make the coffee? And then they pray about who should go out and get the newspaper. Because what if God wanted the other spouse to get the newspaper? And they're so terrified that God was going to be mad at them because they sent the wrong person to make coffee or the wrong person to get newspaper. That's ridiculous. God doesn't care who gets the newspaper or who makes the coffee. That's not what his purpose is about. And God's not someone who has mapped out every little decision, and if you miss it, he's like, oh, sorry, you're a loser now. You're never going to accomplish your purpose because you missed this one little step. And so when I was in college, when I was a young adult, I was terrified about this. I was like, oh, man, I bet that decision back there, I should have done this instead of what I did do. That decision back there, I should have done this. And I thought, oh, man, I've missed it. And I constantly was running around in circles because I was terrified that I didn't know what the next step was. Larry Osborne says that God doesn't have a blueprint for our life. Blueprint is a step-by-step instruction about how to build uh, life, what he wants us to do, what steps and decisions he wants us to take. Instead, what Larry Osborne says is that God has a game plan for our life. A game plan says, I roughly want you to do this. These are the parameters of what I want you to accomplish. And then he gives us the free will. He gives us the opportunity to choose how to act that out. You know, in a football game, they have a game plan. They want to get touchdowns. They have some plays that they've established that they know how to run. But sometimes they get out there and they call an audible. And they still make a touchdown. And it's still okay. And the coach isn't like, you didn't do the right play, so it's over. Game over. We're just going to give it to the other team. God doesn't work like that either. God has a game plan for our life, and your purpose is a game plan that God has for your life. It's his big picture, what he wants to accomplish. So, that was probably the longest introduction I've ever done. So now we're going to get into the first quadrant here as we look at these four aspects of our purpose from God. And the first one is burdens. Burdens. What we're broken about. What weighs on our heart. And you think, how can that reveal my purpose? In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The intersection between your deepest spiritual passion, your deepest spiritual burden, and the world's greatest need is your divine purpose. That's what God's put you here to do. What weighs upon your heart? What rests heavy on your heart and soul. That's not by accident. That's not by, you know, happenstance. But that's a God-given burden for something that's broken in this world that he wants you to be about fixing and healing and helping change. God's given you that. He's placed that inside your heart so you can be about fixing part of what's broken in our world. And we live in an incredibly broken world. Just some quick numbers, and these numbers are so huge, like my mind can't even fathom fathom, fathom them. I can't even speak the word. 800 million people tonight will go to bed hungry in the world. 780 million people today did not have any clean drinking water. 
58 million people have no access to education at all of any kind of any grade level. 45 million people today are in some form of slavery. Like slavery, like someone else owns them, controls their lives. This year, there will be 700,000 people who are sex trafficked throughout the world. And our world is full of racial injustice and treatable diseases and confusion about religion and drug addiction and porn addiction and drunk driving and divorce and violent crimes. Our world is surrounded with brokenness. And what's our normal reaction, right? We're like, well, I'm going to turn off the news so I don't have to hear about that. I mean, I feel that, right? We usually try to avoid the things that are unpleasant. We don't want to hear about the things that are broken. And we try to, as much as we can, live inside our comfortable, safe existence. But the reality is when we turn ourselves off to the heartbreak all around us, sometimes what we're doing is we're breaking God's communication to us about our destiny, about our purpose. See, when God burdens your heart about something that's broken in the world, that's him telling you there's something that I want you to be about healing and fixing. See, people say all the time, where was God during that flood? Where was God during the Syrian refugee crisis? Where is God when people go without drinking water? God every day is sending people into this world, thousands of people born every day with a purpose to be about fixing the brokenness of this world. You see, us, we hear something disturbing, something uh, unpleasant on the news, we can turn it off. The God of the universe hears every tear that is shed across the universe. He hears every tear, every cry, every heartbreak across the universe, and he sends us into the world with a purpose to be about healing and fixing what's broken. He sends us as his masterpiece. And that's what it says there in Verse 10, it says, we are God's workmanship. Some of your translations probably say God's masterpiece. It literally means that God handcrafted us. My dad, he is a mechanical engineer, and uh, for a hobby, he's like, I'm going to make custom guitars. He loves guitars. And so he taught himself how to do woodworking and how to do all this intricate um, design work. And so anyways, he makes these beautiful guitars. And he, as he was making several of these guitars, he realized there is a challenge in the process of making some of these, and there was no tool that existed in order to make the process simpler. So he sat down, being a design engineer, and he designed a tool that would make the process simpler as he made guitars in the future. And so he made this tool, he designed it, he created it, and now he uses it when he makes guitars because it makes the process easier. He saw a need, he created a tool to meet the need. That's exactly what God has get done with us. He saw a need in the world, and God sent us with a purpose to be about fixing what's broken in the world. We're God's handcrafted tool for something that's broken in our community and in our country and in our world. You'll notice next that it says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Any purpose that God gives you is going to be much too big for you to handle on your own. Maybe there's something already, as I've been speaking, that just resonates deep in your soul, deep in your stomach, and you think, man, I, I hate that this is something that's broken in the world, something that is so burdened on my heart. And you think, but I could never be about fixing it. I could never be about changing it or making it better. With Jesus Christ, your small efforts can be multiplied across a planet. With Jesus Christ, you can accomplish things that you never thought you could 
on your own. So yes, God has given everybody a purpose, but if you try to accomplish it without Jesus, you'll find that you don't have the strength, you don't have the energy, you'll be overwhelmed, you'll be overcome. But the good news is, Jesus Christ wants to be involved. He didn't give you a purpose too big for you to accomplish so that you'd be overwhelmed, so that you'd be overcome. He gave you a purpose too big for you so that you would turn to him. And Jesus Christ promised that anyone who calls to me, anyone who turns to me, he won't turn them aside. He wants to be about fixing and healing this world. He wants to work alongside you. And the good news is that Jesus Christ has come into our world to rescue us. And he's at work already and he wants us to join him. But many times when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about how he saves us, we talk about what he saves us from. Notice at the end of the verse it says that in Jesus Christ we were created for good works. Yes, in Jesus we were saved from hell. We were saved from sin. We're saved from the devil and all the forces of evil. But we're also not just saved from something, we're saved for something. We're saved for good works, it says. We're saved to do good in this world. We're saved to heal and fix the broken, the shattered people and places on our planet. That's what God has saved us for. And you'll notice at the end of the verse, it says, God prepared ahead of time for us to do these things. Before you were born, God was putting people and resources and situations he was orchestrating things to come together so that you could accomplish positive change in our world. Not only before you were born, but before there was a planet. Before God spoke the first word and light shattered across the universe out of the darkness. God knew that he would strategically place you here for this time in this geography around these people in this place to accomplish change, to accomplish your it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an accident. It's all been by design. God has sent you into the world at such at this time. I remember when I was growing up, um, I loved swords. And I was like, God, why didn't you put me in the medieval times? First of all, I probably would have died like really soon. You know, I'm, I love swords, but I'm not very good with them. Um, but God strategically places you in the time that you are to accomplish the purpose that he has for you. All ministry, all serving and helping other people comes from being broken. Brokenness drives ministry. And there's something in each of our hearts. Maybe it's something where we've experienced it personally and we've never had heartbreak like that. And God through that reveals a way that we can serve and change and make the world better. Maybe it's through personal heartbreak. But sometimes it's just from hearing a story where you hear about someone. Um, I remember there was, a, there was a gentleman, he was in a international missionary, and he worked specifically around this idea of human trafficking because he heard a story of an eight-year-old girl. And I would love to tell you that's a rare story, but in places like India and Nepal, it's a very common story where a family sells their daughter to make money. And the story so moved him, he says that he couldn't sleep for night after night after night. He wished that God had never let him hear that story. But by hearing that story, he didn't try to forget it or ignore it. Instead, what he did was he went to that part of the world and became, uh, became a part of rescuing those children, became a part of changing that so that wouldn't be the story of other people. Can he rescue everyone? Nobody can re rescue some people. We can't fix every problem in the world, but you have been sent here to fix some problems. And you say, well, Alex, 
does God want me to go to Nepal and fix human trafficking, or does he want me to go to Nashville? I don't think it matters, right? It's a game plan. God just wants you to be about affecting change where you are. It needs to happen in both places. So as we come to the end, here's the question we need to ask ourselves. What's wrong with the world that keeps us up at night? What's the thing that caused us so much heartbreak we lost sleep over? Maybe it's something we experienced. Maybe it's something we've heard about. But it's so resonated in our soul that we wish we had never heard it, but we know it's real and it's out there. See, sometimes in America, we have comfortable, safe, relatively easy lives. And it's easy to ignore how broken the world is all around us. But when we do that, we ignore the purpose for which God has sent us into the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for sending us into the world not only to know you, but to be about your work, to be about good work, to be about setting right the things that are broken in our world and in our universe. God, I'm thankful that you don't ignore it when people are crying across this world. You don't ignore it when people are hungry across this world. You don't ignore it when people are broken across this world. But you send us to be your hands and your feet and to be about positive change in a broken world. God, forgive us for so often trying to ignore the unpleasant realities while we try to stay comfortable. Instead, Lord, challenge us that the reason we exist is to heal some of the hurt in this broken world. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.